What is shaking, everybody? This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented by GolfGuide.net, an outstanding internet resource for you to find discounted rounds of golf at courses all across Northern California. It is also a great place to learn information about each and every golf course on the Pacific Coast. So if you've not done so already, I invite you to go and check out GolfGuide.net. Learn, save, play. And with that, let's get to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. All right. Recorded earlier from two respective podcasting studios in Seoul, Korea and Santa Rosa, California, this is the Golf Guide Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Serlo, joined by my friend, co-host, golfer, and blogger extraordinaire, the boat himself, Mr. Jess Stemak. Jess, it is good to be with you. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks, partner. We're <laughs> taking this thing to uh, international waters. <laughs> international waters, airwaves. I, to be fair with you, I we were just talking. We were having a couple of pirate radio. <laughs> we're having a couple technical difficulties uh, getting this thing, uh, getting this thing going today, and. You know, luckily, as you said, we, we are very much from the uh, restart, you know, stop and restart generation. And luckily, technology... Turn it was... off, unplug it, <laughs> blow on it, shake it, put it back in. You remember the Nintendo days. <laughs> blow on it, baby. <laughs> uh, luckily for us, that, that the method still seems to be working wonders. So we are, um, yeah, man, able to talk a little golf from, from you know, a casual 6,000 miles apart. And holy shit, man, do we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Um I know. I mean, shit. Why, why pussyfoot around? Let's just jump right into it. I mean, uh, the BMW Championship took place. Cannonball. <laughs> Justin Thomas, your thoughts? Ooh, I, I saw <laughs> a lot of those swings. God, there was one on Saturday. It was like I want to say thirteen or fourteen, maybe fifteen. Had like two sixty-three or something. Looked like he just hit the sweetest, smoothest cut five wood that landed right in the ridge and just started going uphill back to the left to like kick in to like i don't know maybe 16 inches i saw that and i was just like oh man uh yeah this he's got he, he's got this week he's got this week yeah i think the wrist injury may may be behind him i think he may have had the resources and the time to let that thing heal properly because he looked really good um, in case anybody's listening to this and does not know exactly what we are talking about, um, we are a day removed from Justin Thomas absolutely eviscerating um, course number three at Medina to win the P- the BMW Championship by three strokes. Um, and it was, man, it was a shit-kicking. I mean, what, I can't remember, was it Thursday or Friday where he's like, that was the, the worst practice session of my life. You're talking about his, you know, his time on the range yeah, before the yeah, round. Yeah, well, it was, I think it was when he shot... It was it was the, his range session before he shot sixty one, right? I, I don't think it was a sixty one. I think it was when he went out and shot sixty three or something like that on Thursday or Friday, and then follows it up with the course record sixty one a day after Hideki Matsuyama sets <laughs> the course record at sixty two. Um, which is just crazy, man. Th- these guys, the scores, the low scores of this tournament for a golf course that throughout history has been revered as one of the most difficult on the PGA Tour. Um, long narrow over 7600 yards and man these guys just i mean being a little bit uh, a little bit soft 
due mm. to the rain they True. had a couple days. True. Effectively, the fairways are playing a little bit wider. Um, but I know, I, I know, we want to touch on Adam Scott, dude. These guys aren't scared, man. They're, no. they're, they're. Uh, what did I see? I saw an interview. Uh, yeah, I saw a preview for an interview with Faraday and uh, Shoffley. Mm. Uh, last year he had to birdie like the last five uh in the event leading up to the tour championship sure. just to get into the tour championship and i guess he literally just had a talk with his caddy and his caddy was like why are we just not absolutely flaming down pins and uh he literally on air with Faraday's like i just decided to quit being a pansy and i started going at everything and i birdied my last five that must be so nice. <laughs> it's cool how those guys have like that reach back. You know what I mean? Like, oh, fairways and greens is getting old. Let's go hunting. Let's go look for dinner. Um, <laughs> but I can't wait to watch that interview. I mean, we know Xander's a special player. Yeah, just absolutely. By what he's done in the first couple of years of his career. But uh, God, it's. I mean, this is uh, they're playing for so much money, Kyle. I can't wait to talk to get uh, talk about this later. But oh my goodness, this FedEx Cup is ridiculous. It really is, and honestly, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to graze over, you know, Justin Thomas's win at the BMW Championship, but it's almost, yeah, but given that it's basically the lead up to the Tour yeah. Championship, it, you know, it, it is basically going to be that. I mean, obviously, Patrick Cantlay had a great, you know, a great weekend, finished second. Hideki Matsuyama held the the course record at Medina for about twenty four hours until uh, Justin Thomas broke it the following day on Saturday. Tony Finau, another top five without a win, you know, go figure. A lot um, of those guys, there's a lot going on, too. Yes. Obviously, they're jockeying for position leading up to the Tour Championship, but like those guys are trying to lock down, which they did, President's Cup team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's some guys on the outside looking in. There was someone put a meme up of the eight guys that made it on points, and mm-hmm. in the middle, they're like, who's not smiling? And the meme was, I can't believe there's a clip of Patrick Cantley smiling, and right in the middle is like uh, Fowler not smiling. Yeah, I, and he's usually <laughs> I think I saw that smiling. one as well. Huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Dude, can you believe that they put in twenty five million? They added twenty five million dollars. I mean, which is crazy because to me, what you add to a purse when you're trying to incentivize more guys to show up to maybe a tournament or a part of the schedule where maybe you wouldn't be attracting the top players in the world, but. This is I the think, tour championship. What I, I mean, think what they did was you remember in the past they would have some of the stars skip the first event. Remember that? Vaguely. Vaguely. The remember guys that. like they wouldn't even play like some of the guys that went on to win didn't even play in the first event. You know what I mean? Um but it's dude, sixty million dollar purse for the FedEx Cup. All right, it's I, I don't know where I don't. Dude, it's crazy. Do you want? Let's all right. Let's stay on schedule. Sorry, we'll get to that. No, no, it's okay. So, let, in fact, let, let's just jump right to it. So, Justin Thomas wins the BMW Championship, which is the the second of the three parts of the FedEx Cup playoffs, where it will come to a head. The finale is this weekend at East Lake Golf Club, the home of Bobby Jones, down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and this year, they're going to be debuting a new format that, personally, I think is. W- unbelievably whack uh to, to put it nicely oh um, i who gave the final okay on it is I, what i want to know i 
I honestly, I mean, it has to be Jay Monahan, right? The, the it, it, I mean, it has to be. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, all the, the, the I, I imagine the players had to have uh, had to sign off on it too. I mean, I guess, I, I imagine who, who's their player? Who's on the players committee right now? Oh man, you're asking the wrong guy. Like I, David Toms has moved on. He's on the senior tour. He's probably not on there anymore. Like I got to imagine. Uh, oh, first no, but he's like retired. Um, uh, the guy that wore the mutual uh, mutual Joe Ogilvy, he was always on there. Yeah, Jeff Ogilvy he's, was always he, on there as he, well. He's on the tour or off the tour. Um, but I gotta believe that the the players signed on the. I think once they found out that there was going to be an extra twenty five million in, the the players were like, hey. We have to play good. That's good. I mean, dude, you think so? Top thirty, right? Obviously, gets you in the Masters. But let me throw a number at you. Sure. Regardless of how you play at the Tour Championship, the person that finishes thirtieth in the FedEx Cup standings, final standings, three hundred ninety-five thousand dollar bonus. Bam. <laughs> think about that. Dude. Every single dude playing this weekend, all thirty That's players, like four hundred thousand dollar appearance fee. To go play East Lake, I mean, yeah, fifteen million nice. to first, five million to second, four million to third, three million to fourth. This is crazy, dude. That this is pretty good. To this me. is crazy. This is crazy money. This is great. This is crazy person money. It's, this it's, is uh, it's pure funny money. It, Jason Kokrak, you're number thirty. <laughs> you could literally shoot three hundred each day. <laughs> get you're gonna get last place money on top of your bonus from the FedEx Cup. <laughs> So he's going to uh, get over $100,000 if he wanted to for shooting three rounds of the hundreds. Oh, by the way, here's a $395,000 bonus. Uh, Take your friends to Arby's and go get yourself some meat. Yeah. <laughs> On top of that, if he actually, if Jason Kokrak really thought that he had any you know, ambitions or thoughts that he might be able to win this championship, he just needs to remind himself that you all just he has have to, to be, be Justin, Justin Thomas, Thomas by 11. By 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by 11. <laughs> Oh Christ! So I had a really good week, but I still lost by seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> like that's what I understand. Like so, again, I I, I'm I assuming... blistered the field, but one guy beat me by dude. Right? It's like I went one 62, guy, 64, what, 63, 64, like, and lost by four. You're like, oh, uh, I mean, it's there. I mean, there could it, it's there. Like the storylines are there, right? I guess so. Starting so, eight down at the beginning of the week, Fowler finally pulls his head out of his ass, wins another big golf tournament. Can you believe it? I mean, just a, in honor of our friend, uh, Mr. Whitaker. Yes, Mr. Whitaker, who, by the way, rest in peace, we will touch on uh, the legendary Jack Whitaker a little bit later here in the podcast. But um, just in case anybody listening to this podcast is not familiar with the format for this tour championship, this is the inaugural year where they so, are going to be starting each of the players at a different score to begin the tournament on Thursday morning, meaning... The number one player in the FedEx Cup standings at this present time is Justin Thomas, who, by the way, has one win in 2019, yet leads the FedEx Cup. He's going to get to start out with a two-stroke advantage over the second-place uh, finisher in the FedEx Cup, which is Patrick Cantlay. Justin Thomas is going to start this tournament at 10 under par. Patrick Cantlay at negative eight, minus eight. Brooks Kepka, who I'm not going to so I, I don't know if it's you. Do you, you know what's so funny? Please. If Kepka just treats this like a major and goes, you know what? I needed to spot you guys a few. I'm still gonna win. I mean, he's probably feeling he's probably feeling so great about this new format. <laughs> like, how can I just pull the pants down of everybody on this tour just a little, just a little bit more publicly and make it a little more shameful for each and every one of you? Go bam. 
I'm taking all your money. Oh, Just I would be so great if he pulls up on Thursday in a Brinks truck. <laughs> <laughs> it would be that would make my year. Oh. And he's only there like a half hour before first. Yeah, that's the thing. P- pulls up drinking his Bloody Mary and watches the first tee and just crushes it. That would he's make. He's like, oh. sorry, I had to come. I, <laughs> my route took a little longer than I thought. God, it'd be fucking so great. Oh man. <laughs> now, for Brooks, at least, I mean. If Brooks was actually like 25th in the FedEx Cup standings and he actually did have to start 10 back, I'm actually not sure that even Brooks at the top of his game, assuming Justin Thomas continues to play even remotely like he did last weekend, it's yeah. basically impossible. But at, at three well, I mean, back, you, I actually feel pretty good. Too, you know, you know, both sides are going to affect each other. Like if Thomas and Cantlay and say Kepka, I don't know, per, finds out that he doesn't really care, <laughs> then, you know, like – if you got someone at like two or three versus, you know, five and six under like McElroy or Rom at four, then that's just a couple strokes. Right. But like these guys down at the bottom, if Justin Thomas plays decent to, to, to if he brings a C plus B minus game, there's no way these guys down at even park and catch him. No. Not no. on this golf course. No, no, no. All right. So, and then just to, to set the stage for everybody. So there's going to be 30 players playing in the tournament championship this weekend. As I mentioned, Justin Thomas at minus 10, Patrick Cantlay minus 8, Brooks Kepka minus 7, Patrick Reed at minus 6, and then Roars McElroy at minus 5. Then there is a group of 10 golfers at minus 4, which are John Rahm, Cooch, Xander, Webb Simpson, Abe Anser, Gary Woodland, Tony Finau, Adam Scott, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama. Then there is a group of 5 golfers at minus 2, 8 strokes back, which is Paul Casey, Justin Rose, Brant Snedeker, Ricky Fowler, Kevin Kisner. Then there's going to be another group of gentlemen who are nine shots back, starting at minus one, and that is Leash, Tommy Fleetwood, Corey Connors, Sung J M, Shez Reevy, and finally, bringing up the caboose at even par start the tournament, Bryson DeChambeau, Louis Oosthuizen, Charles Howell III, Lucas Glover, and of course, the aforementioned Jason Kokrak. Good to see Charles L. the third there. Lucas Glover, it's been 11 years since he's been in the Tour Championship. Wow, is that true? I saw a, I saw a quote, too, where it was like, Whoa. you know what? I just really worked my ass off. Wow. Good for it's him. It's like you get, you get comfortable out there. I mean, Lucas Glover, dude, he's he's got to be pushing 40. I got to believe he's four years older than me. It seemed like he was maybe a senior when I was now, yeah, he might have, he might have just graduated, mm-hmm. you know, because you look at, you know, you look at golf stat, and you're looking at everyone's how all the teams are doing and individual scoring averages. I feel like he might have just been out of there, uh, so he's forty and probably had uh, just a little rebirth, man. His yeah. wife was probably like, "Hey, you want me to punch you again? Get <laughs> out there and go, go bring that bread home." <laughs> I mean, let's go. I want, I want, I want a fourth house. Go, Go get that go get that tour championship money, Lucas. It is an off color motivational tactic, but it does seem to be quite effective. One hundred percent. Oh man. All right. Maybe hey, if four you... homes a lot nicer a lot lot nicer than three homes. Yeah. Options. Ha- uh, having options. a bad sales day, you know, bad sales week at work, just come home, let my wife slap me around a little bit and just get get right back to it. All right. Matter... Motivation. Oh, there it is. Um I'm trying to think, Boat. Is there anybody outside of those top five guys, anybody starting at minus Dustin four Johnson. or less that you think has any chance to win this thing? Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. If he, if he uh, gives that up on Saturday. It. Rose did it last year. Rose obviously likes uh, Eastlake. Um, 
Fowler just can't put together four rounds. Uh, he just uh, he just can't put together four rounds. Like uh, as high as he hits it and as good as he can putt on those greens, like I would obviously take him a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep. Finau seems hot. He seems like he's on the verge of just rattling off maybe two or three wins in a row. Like he's there all the time. He's already there. Um, I just want to see him win one. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I like I I think he's. Geez, I think he's going to just absolutely blow up. I think he's going to be really, really good the next four to five years. Yeah. Like, really good. I'm talking about probably multiple win seasons. The guy is there a lot. Kucher obviously played there a lot. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket, uh, one of those, won a decent tournament this weekend. We'll mm-hmm. talk about. But uh, McElroy, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rom, he seems like he's there every weekend, right? I guess so. I mean, it seems like that guy just continually knocks on the door. Like, same type deal. Like, it, uh, it's hard to win. It's hard yeah. to win, but it's not hard to win if you're there every weekend, right? You know, like eventually everyone's just going to not have their their A game on the weekend. You're going to have your B game, and you're going to win in a playoff or something. Mm-hmm. But I think the guy still mentally gets in his own way. You know what I mean? Oh, 100 percent. Like if he starts turning that whatever he's drinking, you know. Into it into half full instead of half empty. I think you'll probably see him win more for a guy as talented and is at the top of the leaderboard as much as he is. The guy hardly wins. You know what I mean? He's I know got, he, he he's wins, got all the tools, but man. he should be. He should just be booking tournaments left and right, man. He's God. He's there a lot. I I feel like it's coming. Like at some point, he's going to realize that just getting frustrated and getting pissed off all the time is is completely detrimental to his <laughs> to his ability and to win golf tournaments. It, himself, it's just cost himself money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, granted, like, he's not hurting for money, so maybe you know that's maybe that's got, not the biggest motivator. But he's not hurting for money. But I mean, it's it, like who who's the, who's on his shirt? Like some 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 medical company? You know what I mean? Probably it's like some private jet line airline service or something like it is for. I don't even think it's. I think it's something something Optimus or something. It's it's um, but it's not name brand stuff. Optimus you know would mean? not be technically appropriate. No. No, so it's uh, yeah. Unless he wants to start, I mean, he's one of Taylor Made's big guys. But you know, if he wants maybe getting that KPMG stuff like his uh, his college coach's brothers does, mm-hmm. um, he'll have to think about maybe working on his image a little bit. Right. Um. All right. So, but before we move off the tour championship boat, I I do have a quick question for you, and that is, you know, over the past couple of years, there have been so many complaints and people saying that the format of the FedEx Cup was broken, you know, yep. watching the tour championship, trying to figure out who's got what points and who has to finish where to be able to win the the FedEx Cup standings. It was basically just a huge mess and that this new format has essentially simplified it where, you know, both casual and hardcore golf fans alike can easily see who has a chance to win this because with them starting off at different, you know, you know, at different scores to start the tournament, it's essentially now just Whoever wins this tournament is the FedEx Cup champion. So in terms of simplification, I understand and I agree. However, I still have a little bit of a problem in that the guys who were consistently the best throughout the season are not the ones that are going to be benefiting the most from this new format. I mean, personally, Rory McIlroy won, you know, what, won the Players' Championship, had, I don't I can't even count how many top fives. Brooks Kepka, obviously top five in all the majors with a major win. Yeah. And they're and they're not leading the FedEx Cup. The guy who won one tournament 
mismatch the guy who with an injury is, is, is leading the tournament. And to me, it still leaves a little bit of an unsavory taste in my mouth knowing that they're still kind of fucking this up. Now, granted, I don't really have a perfect solution so it, it's just me. why did it, why 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 did they get away from just going straight money, right? Doesn't that, doesn't that make way more sense? I mean, the money I mean, is, is the easiest. So when, this thing now out. you have, you know, you have the opposite field opposite field events that are you know they pay like what maybe uh, Morikawa got like maybe six fifty or something mm-hmm. for uh, Reno Tahoe, which used, yeah. up until recently those used to be like old school like mid nineties like five forty first yeah. place check. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a good representative of like how important it is, that win was. like how how deep the field is, mm-hmm. and you know exemptions are exemptions. But when it comes to the field and, and purse, like I think the PGA Tour pretty much has it right. I agree. Um, I agree, and it basically it allows you know a, a tournament win to have the appropriate amount of weight. You know, again, yeah. again, the bigger the tournament, the bigger the purse. If you get a win there, you're going to get more points, and it just, it just seems crazy to me that. You know, the winner of the BMW Championship in August at Medina has is basically infinitely more successful than the guy that wins the U.S. Open or the Masters. It just it, something about it just does not. I think if for me. we were probably more diligent, we'd have examples of guys that have great years that aren't at the Tour Championship. You know what I mean? True, true. I mean, to be honest, um, this guy had an excellent. I mean, look, Matt Kuchar has how many win? Like, had several wins this year. Like, and he's seven. He's right. Like. I, Dude, he was leading. He was leading like the entire year. Yes, exactly. And, uh, that, Him that, and Kepka, and, and now they're three and seven. I just, I, I, I agree. I, I, I'll bet you know some of the guys like Dustin Johnson, right? Guy won a WGC I, down in Mexico. He had, I mean, he was two mediocre tournaments, but he was like uh, near the top of the leaderboard, and he's still what, like second in the world? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> so I mean, it's like, how are they so far apart? Like I. There's going to be blowback for anything, right? Right. Just like college football playoffs. There's going to be blowback for anything. Great point. I could talk for four hours about that because the way they are deciding between number four and number five is absolutely ridiculous. It, it does that not make is, any that sense. That has to go to eight. That either has to go to eight or 16 and play less games in the beginning of the season. Quit letting Alabama play against whoever it is in week 13 that – you know, Armstrong Atlantic or Savannah State. <laughs> you know what I mean? Eliminate those games. On a quick if aside, they're going to complain about playing more games because it's it, you, there's always going to be someone unhappy, right? No, oh, I totally agree. And while we're on the subject, a real quick aside for you, Boat. Yeah. A big fantasy football draft coming up this weekend. Yeah. And I have to ask yeah. you is Paris Campbell worth a flyer for the Colts? Oh, absolute flyer. Absolutely. Okay. All Dude, that guy does is perform. I mean, that's the thing. They, they, I heard somewhere that he basically caught 5% of his passes at Ohio State that flew in the air more than five yards. He's going to have to get downfield, uh, supposedly, if he wants to be successful. Is is he Was he basically being fully utilized at Ohio State last year? Uh, he was injured. Uh, a lot of guys were injured. Um, he was probably asked to do some other things that he wasn't best at. Okay. Um Absolutely, take a flyer on the guy. He's a Buckeye, dude. What do Buckeyes do? They, they dominate. <laughs> oh, I love it. See, I had to squeeze a little bit of fantasy football news in here. I, other than like following golf right now, the, my entire being on vacation here in, in Korea is great with my wife and everybody. But like, 
I've got such a yeah. big goddamn fantasy draft this weekend. I'm just trying to basically yeah. not sleep and get all my research in and just, you know, it's not very often I get a Buckeye expert on the phone where I could actually pick, pick a brain a little bit. So much, much appreciated, my friend. For all of you fantasy footballers out there, enjoy that little nugget. Take a flyer. Take a flyer. Late flyer. All right. Back to golf here. Um, yeah, man, I, I do completely agree. I mean, the money list is absolutely the best solution that I've heard. It, it, it does seem to make the most sense. Is there anything else that you could possibly think of that would also p- potentially, you know, be a good system to kind of determine who's making it to the tour championship? I think if you win like three times, you're there. If you, well, if right. you win three times, you're going to be there. But more, I, I would, I would go to hey twice. You're in the top thirty. Mm-hmm. Automatic exemption. Yeah, yeah, I would tend to agree because there's there's no way in the old days if you won twice you weren't going to be in the top thirty money wise. Well, that's I mean. Shoot, I mean, granted, he just basically was playing good golf at the wrong time of the year. I mean, look at Kevin Mitchell and his boy Crunchy Pete. You know, they got a win a couple, like, a bunch of top tens. They weren't even sniffing the tour championship, man. And and, no. and Kevin Mitchell's got more wins this year than how many of these guys that are going to be playing the tour championship? I mean, it's it it is kind of crazy, man. You get penalized for winning early. Yeah, you absolutely do, which is kind of bullshit. It is. It, it, it's uh, you know, it's it's a year end thing, so I mean, it should be cumulative. Like, not doesn't matter when. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, it's it. Hey, we'll see. We will see. We might end up loving this thing. There you know could what? be some serious fireworks on Sunday. I, I, I thank you for that because again, I, I think sometimes I can get a little, you know. Typically, I'm a pretty positive guy, but when it comes to stuff like this, I do tend to skew a little negative and maybe be a little more glass half empty than uh, than I should be. So, I will try my best to go into this weekend with an open mind. Luckily, I will be back on American soil on Friday, so I will actually be able to watch uh, a good amount of this tournament over the weekend. So, I am hoping that it does not stink in the way that I am skeptically thinking that it might. So, good, yeah. good on you. Yeah, well, let's keep an open mind for this weekend. Um, Big time. All right. To move on to something that absolutely does not stink and has no potential uh, to stink and is just basically universally awesome uh, is the U.S. Amateur. And, you know, if it weren't, if the best golfers in the world got to play this tournament format boat, it would supplant the Masters as my favorite golf tournament of the year. Alas, it is the world's best amateurs that are competing. Uh, and this year, in 2019, uh, the stage was Pinehurst Number 2, the famed Donald Ross Classic, which, uh, as you mentioned last week, Gil Hands calls... Perhaps the finest destination in all of American golf. Um, Donald Ross's number two course played host to the match play portion of it where I believe the 126th ranked amateur golfer in the world ended up victorious. He's a good college player. He's had a a good career at Georgia Tech. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Andy Ogletree, like you said, of Georgia Tech, wins the USAM uh, in very impressive fashion. I mean, in the 36-hole match play finale, I believe he was down four. Uh, like through ten holes, and then he just was four early, and dude, he was like one down forever. And yeah. then Augustine kind of just, ugh, I, I don't know, that's hard. Hey, you y- absolutely stumbled down the end, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to Augusta, my friend. Oh, absolutely, and, and an absolutely wonderful performance by Andy Ogletree. But I great as, summer, uh, and you know, and Mr. Augustine, the Palmer he, Cup. The, run, the runner-up really should not be discounted. I mean, Augustine, if he took down, I think, two of the top ten ranked amateurs in the world on his way oh, to he, the championship, he, match, he was an absolute beast all tournament. I think I read some stats somewhere that he was... So, who posted it? Someone posted it. He was basically down a total um, of one hole for his first five match hole, match play, you know, matches or something like that. It might have been, been Oberholzer. 
Yeah. He was like, hey, those of you sleeping on Augustine saying he's getting lucky beating the you might want to check out his resume. I mean, yeah. the guy played on a Palmer Cup team. So anyone who's overlooking someone who played on a Palmer Cup team, mm-hmm. you're probably not drinking the right brew. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's uh, it's just a really, really impressive, man. I mean, this, this format of basically, you know, the stroke play to qualify for match play, it cuts there, and then, you know, <laughs> a bracket of 64 guys then going at it with a 36-hole match play championship. To me, that is the most compelling way to watch stuff. golf I, it's just so fucking I, good man i feel really bad for augustine the way he lost yeah that last hole was hard to watch yeah i, I only that, saw I mean, the highlights even I, even for ogletree ogletree didn't know where to stand he didn't know how to react afterwards uh he didn't know what to do with his hands uh that that was hard to watch mm-hmm. now it's like it's all right dude you, augusta made the walker cup team yep our our mid am buddy Hagestad made the team again. Mm-hmm. Um, Ogletree obviously made the team. Brandon Wu made the team. A uh, little fun fact: kid from kid from South City, Isaiah Salinda, De La Salle product. Uh, product. Uh, you know what else on his on on his resume? Hmm. NC CIF NCS Division One runner up. And I believe 2013 to one Nicholas Rogers from Montgomery oh, High School. Oh, a young. I'm sorry, Mr. Coach Dimac. Six was not enough for our vaunted thoroughbred Nicholas Rogers with a 65 <laughs> at locally run Rooster Run Golf Course in Petaluma, California. Oh, that is fantastic. As as many of our listeners know, any coach at NCS is designated with a group to follow. Not they make it very clear not to give rules, answers, or suggestions or rulings. Merely just to follow. So Nick tees off on. He started on ten. And it's the old 10. So now number one is on the south side of the road. Mm-hmm. So he starts there. And I'm posted up on what is now number seven, but it was old number 16. The long par four with the barranca that crosses the fairway, doggo left. And they moved the tee up just a little bit so the guys had a chance to go over the barranca with the driver. I'm watching from the bridge. Nick hammers one and he gets over the brink of by about four yards. He knocks it up there and taps it in. And his dad had told me that he was three under to that point. So I'm going, okay. He did have a good week last week. Things might, this might be a special day, right? So with what I had to guess, he had to have about three holes left. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I get in my fucking cart. I fucking drive over to what is now hole 16. Mm-hmm. Par four along the uh, along the fence there. Well, they they're both are, but it's it's heading east. And uh, he makes par there. Makes birdie on eight. Has a chance to go for it in two. And I haven't talked to him, him or his dad. I'm like trying to stay away. Almost like don't want to be seen by him. Has a chance for it to go for a two on on old number nine now 18. Decides not to, lays it up right, hits a wedged 15 feet, two putts for par. And I'm like, 
did he do it? Did he, did he, and at this point, the crowd was like, Selinda had 66, and I look at him, and I just, I just mouth to him, I go, seven? And he nods, and he goes, seven. And I was like, holy shit, Nick Rogers just won NCS and shot 65. <laughs> Bear hugs were exchanged. It was awesome. That is awesome. So, yeah. Nick Rogers, if you're listening, pal, just remember that you uh, you uh, you owned a Walker Cupper. That is phenomenal. Oh, that's such a great a great little side. I love it. Um, uh, Nick Rogers, Montgomery Pride. There we go. Uh, two other quick notes for you, Boat. Uh, I don't know if you followed it. Mr. Cohen Trollio. All right, made a great yeah. run this weekend, uh, but lost in the semifinals to Andy Ogletree, the eventual winner. But Trollio is just 17 years old. The guy's about to enter his junior year of high school. And made it Crazy. to the semifinals. I think that is absolutely wild. Um, and then the one part uh, before the match play started, in case anybody uh, missed it, you know, after the stroke play portion to qualify for the match play, there was a 27-way tie for the final three spots in match play. And after grabbing that 64th seed, Austin Squires lost in the quarterfinals to Coentrolio. Uh, and this Great was run. Squires' third straight U.S. AM appearance and his second straight quarterfinal. That's absolutely Great nuts. Run. Absolutely nuts. Uh, really, really impressive. Just while we're on this, uh, just a you know, quick, quick uh, shout out. Yeah. A uh, couple of Wildcats qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am today, Kyle. Really? Please. 2018 Share. California State Champ, Bobby Bucci. And uh, Bucci. my old teammate, Mr. Pito, Mark Peterson, hailing from Modesto, California, shot a nice little 66 to win the qualifier at Spring Creek by five. Mm, a salty little 66. That's pretty Married. good. Insurance agent still got it. That is incredible. Talked to him on the phone. He said, "Hey, looks like we're going to Colorado." <laughs> Colorado Golf Club, by the way, is supposedly unbelievable. I have heard excellent things. I believe it's a Bill Core Ben Crenshaw just masterpiece. Uh, it just it looks real good. I, I've seen pictures. Their head, of their head pro used to come play in the pro member at Mayakama mm-hmm. and uh, was real good friends with Ted and got paired with him true gentleman and he all he he just he couldn't stop talking about the golf course really yeah. hmm. all right let's put that one on the old uh old bucket list as soon as uh mr boat's uh wrist is starting to feel a little better you and i let's head out to colorado my friend jet setting jet setting yes although i mean let's be fair it'll be a jet but it'll probably be an alaska airlines flight out of san rose airport but nobody <laughs> no, hey you know it's a jet nonetheless hey, direct. though direct yeah it's a, it's a jet nonetheless um all right, let's see here, man. So we got a, those couple things. We took care of the PGA Tour playoffs. We covered the USAM. Um, do you want to hit a couple quick bits of news? Or uh, I want to touch on an article or two that I read that I thought was interesting that I want to share and get your, uh, get your feedback on. Do you have any preference? Future poison. All right, so let's get to a quick little bit of news here. Um, just a couple of days ago, our commander-in-chief, Mr. Donnie Trump, uh, teed it up with some of golf's biggest power brokers, uh, per golf week uh, at his club in Ben Minister, Jay Monahan, PGA Tour Commissioner, Fred Ridley of, of the Augusta National Golf Club, and Pete Bivacqua, former PGA of America CEO and now the president of NBC Sports. Um, we have That's no nice idea. Yeah, we have no idea what these gentlemen, uh, why they got together, other than maybe perhaps the Donnie just decided to invite him out. But I can't imagine that all of these three guys are going to go out and spend four plus hours together without cooking up some sort of plans or having something in mind that they all wanted to address, again... I doubt it took four hours. There had to be so many gimmies in that group. Oh, I mean, hey, dude, there are, 
the commander's I, dri- driving I, I, onto the greens. I mean, he's, he's not wasting any time. We, we, have, we have to find out. That round had to be like two hours and 52 minutes. <laughs> because for all those guys, time is literally money. That That is a very good point. I, I My whole thing is this just seems like a really appropriate time to wildly and recklessly speculate about what these guys to, could I'm possibly be doing. I mean, what, what could these guys possibly be talking about? I mean, I know that two of them are on pretty good terms with Don. Uh, Jay Monahan, uh, you know, certainly has uh, was the I believe the guy that allowed some of the tournaments to go to Bedminster. Uh, Fred Ridley, I know, has a good relationship. Pete Bivacqua, uh, when he was the PGA, or maybe I have it backwards. I know one of them basically was responsible for the tournament at Doral, basically losing its status. But uh, another one of them basically uh, that kind of, had to be Monahan, right? Okay, so maybe it's Monahan that doesn't have a great relationship with Don and Bivacqua. I would imagine it's not Monahan. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, Bivacqua. Or I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. He's the one. That, yeah, he's the one that actually allowed the U.S. Women's uh, Open to go to the Trump Course last year or the year before. And yeah. I don't know, man. If these three guys, the three of the biggest, most powerful men in the world of golf, and then of course the guy that has the button that controls all the nukes, they went out and played around at golf together. I mean, what do you think these guys could possibly be talking about? Obviously, Trump wants something back at the Ralph. That's the first thing that jumps it's to my gotta mind. Be. That, that was my that was my first guess as well. Um, has to be. Um, Can you put pressure on the RNA to get Turnberry another Open Championship? I think this is you know that right. that to me because I know the RNA refuses to talk to Don. They right. you know, they are very much in the camp of this guy. I know is a president, no, no, but entire like the, all of Europe that doesn't like Donald Trump. This is let's true. get that. I mean, I mean to be fair, like sixty percent of America doesn't really watching, like him either. I remember watching those Golf Channel segments when he was trying to get um, uh, maybe it was Dunbeg built. And uh, yep. there was the one, the the one guy that like wouldn't sell to him. Remember yes. that? Yep. And he was like writing uh, "fu Trump" or something like "no Trump" like on the side of his barn. <laughs> that was a great story. <laughs> that was, I was like, that was heartwarming. I was like, this guy really, this guy will not be pushed around. <laughs> uh, uh, that was that was hilarious. Just painting on his barn. Oh, um, so I mean, there's so many things they could be talking about. But I gotta believe Trump wants back in the circuit. He's yeah. a limelight guy. Maybe he's trying. I mean, a TV deal, something. Um, there's God. There's so many things that that group could have been talking about. A hundred percent. I mean, my my question is like Fred Ridley seems like a pure, peculiar guy to be in this group. You know, as the chairman of Augusta National Golf Club, does Donnie is Donnie angling for a membership? Well, I mean, if you're president and, and, uh, yeah, I, I gotta believe that has something to do that, that at some point that was talked about between them two. hundred percent. Yeah. He's like, he's hey, Fred, be what, what, what steps do I need to take? Um, right. because I mean, we, we know the demographic of a lot of people that are members <laughs> at Augusta. Um, they are, they, they enjoy those tax cuts that Donnie has given them. They, they, they like they a couple, a couple a big, you know, extra tens of millions. There's a lot of members that are big fans of Donald Trump and what he's done. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, so. that's, that goes without saying, mm. well, um, ladies and gentlemen, whenever we, this news breaks, cause I, again, whenever Trump course gets back into the mix, I'm going to be start thinking, well, this might've been where those talks started. Cause the other thing I was thinking is what, which one of Trump's wanted- properties can even hold an event like Bedminster, Doral, Turnberry does he even have any other properties in his portfolio that would even be considered to host an event? Uh, well, you got the one. Um, what's your? Yeah, what's, I, 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 I can't one, think of the one, the, top of my the, head. One the, the one with the waterfall in uh, in Florida where oh. they used to have the 
the the ladies and the Trump internet is that what do they call it? Uh, I forget. I but admit, uh, I pay very little attention to Donald Trump's uh, golf properties. So yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it could have been just a hey. You guys want you, you want to have a power lunch in a quick eighteen, and just just see what other people can can brew up. Like like you guys literally just want to fuck with people. Got it. Like let's he have, is really good at doing that. That might just be what it is after all. He could <laughs> just be ruffling feathers. <laughs> um, but I mean, like I said, those I, yeah, dude. There's so many things that group could be talking about. Um, you think about obviously NBC Sports, PGA Tour, just the, those guys alone, and then Chairman of Augusta and the Masters. Those are name someone else that has a bigger swing and you know what in golf though mm-hmm. that that's it you know what i mean i just i just I like just, just for I some know. reason i imagine i imagine mike at the usga and donald like don't see eye to eye mm. mike mike you know what i mean yeah i i could say they probably have somewhat different stances uh on a variety of issues yeah <laughs> So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's go to the next one. Um, this is one that I know that you are. I'm going to love to hear about that, though. Yeah, I hope I something comes from it. <laughs> Me too. Uh, hopefully, it's positive. Um, right. Next one. Uh, a legend in broadcasting in the world of golf passed away um, recently, and that, of course, is Mr. Jack Whitaker. Jack was one of the voices most closely associated with televised golf. Um, he was a World War II veteran, an essayist, and the voice of genuine authority in sports broadcasting. And his career spanned. Decades uh, in multiple sports, including the first Super Bowl, and you know, as it relates to golf, most notably, he was the voice of the wide world of golf. Um, oh, those videos, man! I posted about it on Facebook last night. Mm-hmm. Um, watching some of those old matches with my dad as a kid, just I mean, come on, the guy's voice. And they talked about it like he never needed a second take. He was so precise. The message, he, dude, he was a man of, he would, let's say he was efficient yes. with his words. Yes. <laughs> He's not one of those guys today who absolutely loves the sound of their own voice. Mm-hmm. Just talks to be talking. Everything he said was spot on, Kyle. I love it. I'm going to. There were not wasted words any, from Jack Whitaker. Anytime one of those things comes on, I'm going to watch the entire thing. Yeah. Hundred percent, and it was so great because of the types of courses they had it at. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's basically Jack like, versus Johnny Yo Club. Oh God damn! Oh, it's so good. Where Johnny just absolutely put on a laser show and had the yips and shot like eighty. <laughs> like, didn't miss a shot and shot eighty. <laughs> um, but there, there was so many classic. I mean. There's one with like Duval and Phil at, at Quiviera in Mexico when they just built that, and um, Fred Couples, John Daly at Crosswater. It was so cool watching that, and they get to play a national championship there. That was so cool. I actually like watched a bunch of that that match over and over just before I headed there to kind of see what the caddies were talking about, kind of their their viewpoints because we played we played the same teams as those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, the USGA runs the NCA national championships, and they tip those things out. Yes, um, but that was a cool one, and it was you know you got the kayakers just on the deschutes, just in between the fairways, just in front of the green. I remember watching that, going, "Wow, I'd like to play there someday." And then, fortunately, was able to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but just he was so graceful, man. He was. And you could tell how well respected he was when he would do the end of, you know, he'd, he'd pass off the crystal shell trophy and just the words with what those guys spoke to Jack into the audience. That guy was so well respected. Yeah. So well respected. Absolutely. And it was just so neat. And that atmosphere, just two guys. Two guys with a ton of people watching, no ropes. Dude, those those were pioneer. I would love if they brought back. Can you imagine if they brought back Shell's Wonderful World of Golf matches? I, I would watch those religiously. Like, it would be so cool. I mean, who's the equivalent of Jack Whitaker now? I mean, I mean, in terms would, of like an essayist, like a, a golf essayist, um, purist. You know, I mean, he, the guys again. There are, you know, shells. Who could you put? Who could you put, you put like Jimmy Roberts put, and Tom Rinaldi and like the guys? I was going to say, I was going to say one of those two guys, Jimmy, yeah. um, even even Rich Lerner, yeah, as good as yeah. he is with the very words. good point. It would be so cool to watch one of those guys inside the ropes and to you know maybe on the first tee the introductions and then after the match is over. That would be so cool, dude. Mm-hmm. No, that would be so cool. Made for TV match. You don't even count the tire fill thing. No, the, the match probably is not uh, would not qualify. But um, no, man, it was so good. And honestly, anybody that is not familiar, you know, who's maybe a little too young, um, you know, to ha- have memories of Jack Whitaker. Um, CBS did a really nice obituary uh, by I think the author's name was Brian Paskus, uh, and that story actually included a remembrance from. Uh, Whitaker's understudy and you know sports. Fo- I mean, this guy inducted um, Jack Whitaker into the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, and that's Mr. Jim Nance. And uh, I'm, I'm going to share just a quick little bit of that um, for you guys here. This is from Jim Nance talking about Jack Whitaker. Quote: When I first met Jack Whitaker in 1986 at Pebble Beach, I felt like I had just been introduced to Ernest Hemingway. Yeah. I grew up watching him deliver contemplative and contextual prose with his famous short essays bringing class and dignity to his industry. He was enormously proud to have called Super Bowl I for CBS and was the last surviving commentator from that landmark game. I spoke to him this week after hospice came to his home, and his mind was still brilliantly sharp right to the very end. End quote. I mean, I mean the guy was... Getting choked up, man. Yeah, he's a fucking to, legend, from, man. It's, it's pretty cool when, when one great talks about a predecessor who a predecessor who was just as you know uh, uh, that's that's really cool and 100%. obviously we we didn't bring up nance but nance has got to be at the top of that list yeah um those guys it's it's a hey that that talk about a fraternity that is is a fraternal uh comment by 100%. nance that's you know you, you get guys like that and and Munzberger, who can still have a podcast and and you know reinvent himself, and now now he's the voice of the Raiders. Munzberger, you're like 85, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like those guys. Brent loves the desert. You know, Venturi. Yeah. Um. Those guys. It, it's it's a fraternity, and it. Ninety five is a good run, but I don't doubt for a second he wasn't sharp as attack the whole way. Yeah, absolutely agree. Well. Jack Whitaker, rest in peace. Uh, you are a legend. We will remember you fondly. Um, we will. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, let's see here. Thanks for bringing that up, dude. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was fantastic. Yeah, you got it, brother. Um, all right, uh, to a slightly uh, less somber and maybe a little bit more exciting uh, bit of news, uh, local icon, you know, two-time NBA MVP, three-time champion, 
arguably one of the two best point guards in the history of the National Basketball Association. No, I'm not talking about John Stockton. Steph Curry uh, has made the news in the world of golf here this week where he continues to do his part to help the world of golf. Um, A story just came out. uh, I think Roxana Scott originally had the story for Golf Week where Warrior Star visited Howard University, um, the famed college back on the East Coast, and was inspired by a student that he met when he went to go watch a film earlier this year. And after uh, sharing his love of golf with the student, uh, went back and has now formally announced that he will be helping support and fund the Howard University's golf program, which has been defunct. And starting in 2020-2021, their golf program is going to come back into the Division I fold Steph Curry, aside from being one of the world's best basketball players and potentially one of the world's most famous human beings, it's it's shocking how his charitable work just seems to kind of go under the radar and yet is probably some of the best and coolest stuff that he does, uh, especially when it's compared to any other you know professional athletes. I mean, Steph Curry, is, it, is he just as good for the game of golf as he is for the game of basketball? Absolutely. It's yeah. not even close. I think he, he might be. <laughs> who knows? Um, that was a bit of a stretch where I was going there, but absolutely, he's, he's important to the game of golf. It's fantastic. I mean, who knows how many kids he's got playing now because of him? You yeah. Know? And the, the PGA Junior thing, him and uh, um, uh, Amanda, uh, the female soccer player, she was the spokesperson. Um, who who scored all the goals? Morgan. Uh, Alex Morgan or Megan Rap Rapino. Alex Morgan. Okay. Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan is a spokesperson for the PGA Junior League. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows how many people just those two alone are bringing yeah. into the game. Great point. Uh, Tony Arnich was out at, at out of Benton Valley today with, uh, uh, used to call him the hammer, AJ Arnich, uh, but he showed up in shades. <laughs> Kyle, he was wearing sunglasses at the pro shop, so now he's affectionately known as Hollywood Hammer. Oh, love it. <laughs> but I, on, my, on my break, I watched him. Uh, so let me paint you a picture here. I'll try and give you my best uh, Jack Whitaker. Please. Uh, three feet tall, weighing in at 48 pounds, six years old. Could be off on the numbers a little bit. <laughs> Smokes one off number 12. And I kid you not, Kyle. I kid you not. This ball went like 140 yards. That is so fucking impressive. Jesus. Just absolutely <laughs> smoked one. The Hollywood Hammer. The Hollywood Hammer, sunglasses in the pro shop. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Um, yeah, hey, let's go, juniors. Let's go, parents. Any parents out there listening? Let's get those kids treated like a babysitter, like I did. Yeah, drop me off at drop me off at eight. Pick me up at eight. Absolutely, free daycare. Yeah, and, hey, and, Jess, go see how many holes you can play. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, to, to bring it back, I mean, the Hollywood Hammer. I mean, he may know not. He may not know a ton about professional sports. I guarantee you he knows who Steph Curry is. And he sees Steph Curry doing great stuff with golf. How can that possibly make any young kid who loves Steph Curry not want to go play golf? Yeah. God, it's just so awesome, man. He's so good for the game. I, granted, uh, as a Steph Curry fanboy, I may be a little biased, but Jesus Christ, could, th- could this guy be any cooler? No. No. Uh, I don't think he can. Oh, God, Steph Curry. You're just the fucking man. All right. Anyway, uh, last couple things here, Boat. So now we've uh, got through the news. Um, I did just want to share one or two articles with you briefly before we uh, we put a wrap on this week's podcast. Um, and, you know, this is where I'm going to go through and just uh, identify a couple of articles that I read that I thought were interesting that were worth sharing with everybody. Um, Jeff Shackelford, who I reference repeatedly on this podcast. 
Hashtag uh, your guy. My guy, Jeff Shackelford, um, wrote an article about how he thinks the Tour Championship, it's time for it to leave Eastlake. Not permanently, but it's time to make the Tour Championship a roto. It, it's time to... I mean, I, granted, he, he's not a huge fan of the format that we were talking about earlier, but he thinks that it might be in the Tour's best interest to start getting a little more exotic, right? You know, with just 30 players in the field, the Tour Championship has the luxury of targeting a remote location, you know, or unexpected market by bringing the world's best players to a fresh spot. And he's starting to throw out places like, hey, you know, will this crowd maybe do something? Maybe they want to go to Cabot Cliffs in Nova Scotia, Sand Hills in Nebraska, Sand Valley in Wisconsin. Or if that's too remote, um, why not explore something like Spyglass or, you know, something like that? Or, hey, if there's only 30 guys. Might be able to to handle tour championship size fields yeah yeah i mean it, it's and it's a great point because especially because I, I mean unless tiger's in the field and up that that scene on hole 18 last year was gave me goosebumps <laughs> that is that is a very good point i but I, let's I think, go back to this how cool was that i mean at the am at, at pinehurst with like literally just some fucking daryl in a backpack Walking five feet in front of Augustine on dude, like hole thirty-three. It was so awesome, and then that's the thing is like I'm, with, I'm just like, dude, how cool is this? With a small field, and again, even with the best players, even if this was a, the Tour Championship, you'd like to think with a field of only thirty players, assuming they, you know, there just wasn't as many spectators in the crowd. Wouldn't it be great to have the Tour Championship have a feel of like a smaller, more intimate golf tournament like the U.S. Amateur, where people are actually able to follow Make guys? Up the fairway? Uh, well, the prop, you know, like at the Tour Championship, I feel like it's really corporate. Yes. Um, between, you know, like Coca-Cola and, uh, I got some buddies, you know, that have a processing company and, you know, uh, point of sale system, credit card, you know, the, the city POS here based Mm -hmm. out of San Rafael and Santa Rosa, like first data was a big sponsor of that tournament. So they're like in the, they're in the suite and I feel like the tour championship is pretty corporate. Yes. Very much Um, so. So I (laughs) rotating, um, if they were going to do a road, then it would, I think it would need to be along the lines of what they do for the U S open or the, maybe they, maybe they go to some of those courses that, like you said, aren't big enough to host hmm. that have in the past. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'd be open to it, but I think, I think the players really like East Lake. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they I don't really hear him, do. I don't hear them complain about it that much. So I, I guess they like it. I I don't think they have the balls to complain about 25 like, million fucking <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, I think and, part part of Shackelford's, yeah. you know, point about the rotation is that I think he also sees an opportunity for this to truly be like a, you know, obviously it's not it's never going to draw spectators like a Super Bowl, but given the fact that this is the Tour Championship, it's supposed to be the pinnacle of the golf season. You know, yeah. he he thinks it should be more of of an event. Well, what does he, he want this thing in a dome? <laughs> that that would be. Oh, that would. What does he want uh, this thing in a dome? Oh, uh, I think he's thinking more of why don't we, why don't we put this thing on the fucking West Coast so we can have Sunday primetime viewing on the East Coast where the majority of people are going to be watching. I mean, the fact that it's on the East Coast and it's finishing at one or two p.m. West Coast time. As long as it finishes finishes before football season, you know what I mean. Exactly, exactly. And and by having by shortening the schedule to have it finish this weekend, so it's not interfering with football season. Man, this is the this is the last weekend they could do it because college football starts next weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's absolutely right. I, and it would get killed. It would get massacred. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, 
who knows? It, it's a very interesting debate. I, I certainly, I, again, my guy, Jeff Shackelford, I tend to agree with him on probably the majority of his things. Uh, I, I would love to see it switched up a little bit because personally, I have no affiliation. I have no fondness of Eastlake. I've never played there. I've never played yeah. golf other than a couple of courses in Atlanta, which I wasn't too fond I've of. I've never played it, but um, I had some buddies, obviously, like I talked about. They say it's amazing. Really? Okay. All right. Well, hey. And hey. Jason Bauer used to be the assistant pro there. Uh, he had nothing but good things to say about it. Um, it's good enough for Jason. And if it's, it's going to be, yeah, if it's going to be, you know, this this third week in August, fourth week in August, he has a point that just about every place in the country you're going to be able to go. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. August is good for everyone. Yeah, 100. percent Maybe it's- not. Maybe not Arizona. Maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not Florida. <laughs> but Atlanta's close. Uh, uh, I mean, it's still pretty humid there. Yeah. Hey, let's get the thing on the on the on the west coast. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, all right. With that boat, one last spy article I want to touch on with you. Spyglass would be best. <laughs> spyglass would of all those. Spyglass would in fact be the best one. Yeah. Um, one last one I want to touch on. It was an article written by Andy Johnson, uh, founder and uh, of the Fried Egg. Uh, the title is title. Er, the title of the article is "Combating Bomb and Gouge: A New Proposal." All right. And this is getting back to what we we're talking about at the top of the podcast, where Medina, course number three, 7,600 plus yards, didn't matter. These guys are still hitting driver wedge into the majority of golf holes. I mean, I, I don't know how many of these guys, how many long irons were hit at that golf course, despite how long long it was. I, I It seems now that the long iron is almost exclusively reserved for long par threes because there's just really almost no other time where these guys are going to be hitting that club. And in his article, Andy kind of talks about how you know, the art of, you know, golf itself, you know, of hitting different shape, you know, different shape shots with all the different clubs in your bag has kind of been lost that the drivers are essentially so long and so forgiving that, as you were mentioning before, like when you're talking about Xander, these guys can just pump driver and just, you know, wherever it goes, at least they're going to have a wedge. And if you get a wedge in your hand, it doesn't matter if you're in the rough or you're in the fairway, they're going to find a way to put on the green and give themselves a good chance for birdie. And it kind of came to a head when Adam Scott was talking this week about how, with the technology of the drivers, it has become the most forgiving club in a pro's golf bag, right? Yeah. And how basically nobody on tour should be afraid to do anything except swing as hard as they possibly can and just try to bomb the fucking driver as long as possible because, again, the clubs are now so forgiving that there's really no there's really no downside to it where, you know, way back when Medina used to have a lot of teeth, you know, there were only a couple of guys on tour that could consistently hit the ball far and straight. It, and now it's something that almost everybody can do, mostly due to technology. Um, and then after Adam Scott said this, guys like Brant Snedeker um, you know, came came up and, and voiced the same kind of thing. And What did uh, what did Schneedeker say? Well, Schneedeker, if I go and look at my, my notes real quick here, let me see if I can find it. So let's see here. Uh, Adam Scott wasn't alone. Brant Snedeker, and by the way, I'm quoting Andy Johnson's article here. Brant Snedeker, too, had pointed remarks about modern drivers. Quote, now the drivers are made so easy to hit that there's no penalty for swinging as hard as you want and do so at every single driver because it's not going to go that far offline. There's literally no penalty for really going all out on one. And that's changed a lot. I don't think their talents are showing up as much as they should. End quote. Meaning that, yeah, the, the art of actually being a really solid ball striker is kind of lost because you can have a slightly flawed swing, but as long you know, with that see, driver, I don't like I don't like that comment. Really? Okay. Um, 
I don't like that comment. Hey, Brant, not all of us are hitting balls in a fucking room with scientists and some guy literally goes, here, this club head and this shaft. Let me put it on for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't like that comment. I think that's a brass comment by him. It is a brass comment. It's fucking ridiculous. That's stupid. I get this. Those there, guys are so fucking good. There's one it's not more like player the thing's vote. on fucking autopilot. There's on, one Steve. more player who actually voiced and, and backed up Adam Scott's remarks. So it was Adam Scott and then Brent Snedeker and then by the way, I got I, I agree with Adam Scott as far as like they're hitting the ball stuff like but but Schneider took it to the next level. Yeah, well, here, get this. Now here's a quote. He doubled from, down. Here's a quote from one Eldrick Tiger Woods. Quote. Yeah. Now you just pull out the driver, bomb it down there, and you're looking for three to four good weeks a year. Today's equipment, you can maximize a driver and just absolutely bomb it. And some of the guys sacrifice stuff around the greens or short irons for the driver. The driver is now the most important club in the bag just because of the way the game is played today, end quote. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Here's the thing. Okay. You get older. You get injured. And statistically, you don't putt as good when you get older. Uh, So these comments, I understand to a certain extent, but it's like, Tiger, you're the best ever to do it. You know what I mean? How about all these guys that are supposed to be surefire things and they hit it a ton? And then where did who go? <laughs> Who's off the tour? Four left. You know what I mean? And then they're changing club companies. And they're, and then it's like, you, you know, at, at the end of the day, Lucas Glover's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Branch Nedeker? <laughs> I had to fucking work my ass off again. What are you talking about? I Schneider, I hope he regrets that statement. That's because that's kind of that's downplaying how good they are and how hard they work. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, for sure. Now it's making them seem like robots, which that's the talk. All these young kids today, they're in shape. They're they're flexible. They're they're you know they're trained robots as soon as they get to college or even before college. For a guy who has, in my opinion, not a good putting stroke like Brand Schneider, hey, keep to yourself, Brand. <laughs> You, uh, you don't need to dig in. You don't. You don't need to dig any holes, dude. You're in a pretty good spot. Why would you downplay how good you are and the rest of these guys on tour? That's true. Now I, I don't think I actually like, enjoy shared... it now, Brant. You know what I mean. But one of these days, guess what? Your putting stroke is going to go to absolute shit <laughs> if it hasn't already. Seriously. Uh, now I, I don't think I did a good job of sharing Adam Scott's actual you know quote here. So let me let me share that with everybody real quick. Adam I Scott saw remarked, I, I, I saw it. Yeah. yeah. I, I like his quote. Yeah, they haven't figured out yet that long means nothing to us. You can't build no. courses long enough. The driver is the most forgiving club in the bag now. It's just swing as hard as you can and get it down there far. It's not a skillful part of the game anymore, and it's really unfair for some guys who are great drivers of the golf ball. So what he's basically saying is get your speed up and you're going to be there. Yes. Your speed speed, speed, speed equals launch and carry. Speed and, is and spin. So that's I have no problem with it. That's That's been proven factually. You yes. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially when you watch these long drive guys, they're like, "Oh, ball speed is this. This should carry this far." You know what right. I mean? It's no secret. It's a simple equation. Now, so I have no problem with what he said, but Schneider just, dude, come on. Now, here's my question for you, Boat. As somebody who consumes a lot of professional golf, yeah, do you enjoy what's currently happening on tour right now in terms of the majority of par fours are played driver wedge? Is that something you enjoy watching, or do you wish there it was? It, Dude, it's not just on the pro tours. In the M, it looked like those guys like 159, and it's like, I know, and a lot of the guys have gone to 
getting away from the pitching wedge and they're going to like a 46 degree Vokey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it is a pitching wedge, but it, it doesn't have a cavity back and it doesn't say P on the bottom. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but it looked like those guys were hitting those wedges 159 yards. Yes. And, you know, they're coming up five yards short. It's like, what? It's like even, and granted, when I was hitting the ball the farthest and the highest and the best is when I was still playing the ping on twos. And my, my pitching wedge at that point is like a sand wedge now. Yeah, right. You know what <laughs> I mean? If you ever look down at a ping I2 pitching wedge, the thing is, I, I just looked down at a uh, ping I2 sand wedge last night, and I'm like, this is, I, I got no wonder I hit this, no wonder I didn't need a lob wedge until I was like fucking 20. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this thing is a lob wedge. So, I mean, it's, I, I really like watching guys who still think, and you hear the conversation, small target with a driver, and they just cut up a golf course. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They divide the fairway into quarters. They already know where the pin is. That gets me going to where they're a shot ahead, where a lot of the times you don't see many conversations between caddy and player on a par four because they're just ripping driver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I still do. It's still watching it, especially in person. You can't help but be in awe. You can't help but be starstruck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, of course I love that. A guy just flew a ball 293 yards and he stuck a wedge to a foot. What's, what's not to like? I think for me, I think it's really impressive. My only, my only, I guess, reservation is, it's not something I want to see 14 times around. I, I want, not 14 I want, times around. I want to see these not guys hit a variety around. of different clubs into greens to kind of test each each part of their game. And I think yeah, and it gets ends, over it gets oversold. You yeah. know, I mean, there's still some there's still some. And granted, we don't see all the holes in coverage. You know what I mean? True. So, but getting back to what Tiger said about the guys just trying to bomb it and get lucky three or four times a, uh, a year, mm-hmm. like, I totally agree with that. You know, horses for courses. Like these guys, this is where this guy's going to make a third of his money is at this tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, he he taught fours every year. He loves it. Uh, I agree with that. But when you're setting your schedule for these guys, they're going to try and play at courses that set up well for them. Absolutely. Now, so there might not be strategy as far as on the golf course, but there's a lot of strategy when they set their schedules too. Now, talking about Adam Scott's comments here, boat. Uh, yeah. The author of this article, Andy Johnson, had a modest proposal, all right? And I want to see what you think about this. To actually combat this and actually force guys to be hitting lots of different shots, what do you think about making golf courses shorter? Really forcing guys, all of a sudden you put a bunch of 330, you know, 350-yard par three or par fours or 280-yard, you know, take a short par I think four. The only, I think the only reason you do it, which could be a good reason, is a lot of the times when we go to these golf courses, we're not able to even think about playing the tees that they are mm-hmm. just from a pace of play standpoint. Mm-hmm. It would be really cool. And w- what's coming up uh, next year? Uh, President's Cup? Uh, no. Uh, what's what's coming to the PGA? It's coming to San Francisco, right? It sure is. PGA Championship okay. will be at Harding Park in May. So hopefully they haven't created a bunch of new tees. There's not a lot of room to create new tees out there, but you mm-hmm. know they're going to create some. Sure. And we already know it's not going to be an overly long golf course. It would be cool to go play it like a week afterwards. 
I agree. You know what I mean? It's like, why? Wait, he carried that bunker? Um, so if they're going to do that, then yeah, I like it. Move the tees up. Let, let the back tee grow over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to know, like when, when, say we go play Spyglass, I want to play the CMTs and I want to saw, you know, I, I, I want to see where our rounds stack up. I think that could be a cool thing. Um, Pebble's not letting you play those open tees. I guarantee you that. No, no. A round of Pebble Beach already takes five and a half hours as it is. Oh, come on. They have four hours and 30 minutes on their range balls, Kyle. Come on. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with them. I think it would, um, you still got to get the ball in the hole, Kyle. Yeah. You still got to get the ball in the hole. Well, I, I mean, um, for me, the, the one thing that makes me think it actually is a very viable option is, you know, when these guys go play the match play at Austin Country Club every year, it's 6,600 yards. And you're not seeing guys out, out there shooting 62s and 63s. I mean, granted. Harbor Town. You know, I mean, that's the thing. is like it, a golf course does not have to be long for it to be challenging. And one thing that uh, Andy pointed out that I thought was fascinating that I had never thought of before is, you know, with the technology and everything that's been going on, you know, the way these guys, the clubs are set up and the way the balls are set up, that ball's got less spin. Right, that it never has before. They're, they're trying to get that thing to roll out, and so they're not putting as much spin on it. But because of that, the one shot that you don't really see a lot of guys hitting anymore is those nipper wedges from 50 to 60 yards out where they're hitting a pitch shot that's biting and rolling back to the hole, right? Because basically, the balls are not set up to do that. Their balls are set up to basically hit it real, real, real high, drop and stop, okay? Yep. And so he's saying, what if he got to the point where instead of, you know, these guys are a lot. These a lot of these guys on tour are probably a hell of a lot more comfortable from 150 yards out than they are from 60 yards out. Now, granted, some research that I've you know that I've read would I don't know would disagree just, with that. But Justin Thomas was pretty good from yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> some of those it, wedges it, it, he was it, hitting. It does go against from like 50, you know, 60 yards. Yeah, it was like, it, wow, it, it, how did he get that ball to back up? I think some of these guys are so good. I mean, granted, a lot of these guys, they're the best fucking players in the world, Boat. I mean, I, I think yeah. these guys could do it. But I think Andy's point was it's a club, it's a shot that's so seldomly hit and basically goes against all of the technology that's being created and utilized on tour that perhaps a way to combat this whole, you know, can't make courses any longer thing, make them shorter and force these guys to hit shots that, you know, a, a variety of different shots, even if that means they're only 50 yards away from the hole. I, again, I kind of thought it was really interesting. I thought it was thought-provoking. It's a hot I, take. You know, I, 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 I thought it definitely had some validity to it. And He definitely you know, got his name out there. He, he most certainly did. I, 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 I don't know. It, it's something, if I was Jay Monahan, obviously I'm not implementing it right away, but it's something I would cer- certainly start to consider. Um, so if anybody is out there and wants to read it, uh, thefriedegg.com, the name of the article is Combating Bomb and Gouge, a new proposal. Um, yeah, check it out. It's pretty good. It, it doesn't a trial and error right trial and error that's right speaking of which i think we tried i didn't i didn't i didn't sense a whole lot of error in this week's podcast boat i think we did a bang up job <laughs> we're rolling <laughs> oh it's phenomenal man um let's see your boat anything you uh, want to share with our listeners before we bid them adieu for the week no have a great week are you kidding yeah have a great week everybody i Some hope your guys... kids might be going back to school Ooh. i mean your days are free. Maybe, maybe treat yourself out there. to a enjoy, Diet Coke yeah. or a Coca-Cola. Go enjoy a morning round of golf. Drop the kiddos off at school. Head over, Absolutely. catch your 845 tea time, and treat yourself. Teachers, 
Come get in a late night, I'm, you know, after school. <laughs> oh, which is perfect, man. Come, um, come decompress at the golf course. Ab- absolutely. Completely agree. Um, well, with that, everybody, enjoy the Tour Championship this weekend. We'll see if it's uh, if it's any good. Boat and I will be back next week. I'm actually going to be back in California. We are going to be doing a live podcast either on Monday or Tuesday night of next week. So, uh, Hey, stay- let's get someone to sponsor a wheel. Hmm. I'll make some calls. Let's see if we get a spot. We see see if we get a wheel. Okay. Okay. I like that. I I like that a lot. (laughs) All right. But boat's going to make some phone calls. We will have an update for you next week. Until then, everybody have a wonderful week. We will be back with you next time. Boat. Thank you so much, brother. Thanks partner. Talk to you next week. You got it, brother.